have you ever wanted to just take your ministry to the next level? Maybe you have a ministry that's been struggling along, or maybe you have a ministry that's just getting started and you want to make sure that it stays on track. Well, today, what we're going to do is, is we're going to look at a tool that you can use that's going to help you evaluate every ministry you have, every event that you throw, everything you do in your church. You can use this tool to evaluate it and make sure that it's on track, that it is growing, that is effective and doing what it's supposed to. And it's super simple, super easy, and it doesn't take a ton of time. And so I'm going to show you what the tool is and we're going to talk about it in this episode. So let's get started. So the big question is this, how do pastors like us who remain focused on the mission of Jesus and serving our communities without being distracted by everything in the world around us, how do we increase our effectiveness while living a lifestyle that doesn't compromise our health, our families, or our personal relationships with Jesus? That's the question this podcast is going to answer. I'm Dr. Brandon Party Cooper, and welcome to the Ministry Hackers Podcast. Welcome to this episode of the Ministry Hackers Podcast. I hope you're doing wonderfully wherever you are and whatever it is you are doing. The goal here at Ministry Hackers is to help you live your dream life, whatever that looks like, so that you can pastor a growing church, a growing ministry, while at the same time enjoying your family, your friends, your hobbies, whatever it is that you want to do, whatever it is that God has put into your life and that you love doing, that's what we want to help you do. And so I'm so thankful that you're here, you're a part of this episode, that you're a part of this community um, with us, and I am so excited, as always, to bring in our illustrious, highly talented, and incredibly <laughs> beautifully haired Matthew yeah. Wazbinski. Welcome, Matt. Hey, y'all. Hey, it's good to see you again. It's been this is one of my favorite parts of my week, and so it's been a great to kind of go head to head with you a couple of times, and then also <laughs> learn from you and just grow together. It's been great. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. That last episode was a lot of fun. So, um, yeah, it's always good. Always good to hang out with you. We live very far apart. So Matt lives in Michigan. I obviously live here in Virginia beach. And so we, um, when was the last time we were actually together? Oh shoot. It's been a while. Yeah. Like five years. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Something something along those lines. Yeah. So yeah, mm-hmm. so it's always good to get together and hang out. We've done this a lot though, so that's good. We get to see oh, each other. Absolutely. Yeah, this definitely helps. Regular. So okay, so what we're gonna do today is we're gonna talk about a tool that you, Matt, are very familiar with. Um, because mm-hmm. you guys use it at your church. And what we're gonna talk about is we're gonna talk talk about a SWOT analysis. Now, I wrote an article, I don't know, two or three years ago now. Um looking at what the SWOT analysis is, and quite honestly, and then I later did a podcast. Um, episode, those two pieces, that article and that podcast are the most visited, read and watched um, article and podcast that I have, which is, it, it, it's been surprising to me um, that mm-hmm. so many people in the ministry world have jumped onto that and have liked it and engaged with it. And so I thought what would be good for us, Matt, is for us to do kind of a two-part uh, episode series Today, we're going to talk about what SWAT is, and then on the next one, you and I are actually going to look at one of your ministries, and we're going to do a SWOT analysis right here in the episode so that everybody can see what that looks like. So, But before we kind of really dive in with with how you guys use it and what it, what it looks like for you guys, let me just explain for everybody what the SWOT analysis is. Now, SWOT analysis has been around for a long time, and Churches, nonprofits, um, organizations all over the world have used SWOT. And when I say SWOT, it's S-W-O-T. And what it stands for is strengths, 
weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. And really what it is, is it's taking anything, whether it's a ministry, whether it's um, an activity or an event, um, whether it's just your team as a whole, and asking the question, these four questions, what are the strengths, what are the weaknesses, what are the opportunities, and what are the threats? It's a very simple tool. Um, usually it's set up in a, in a four box grid and you just kind of go through and you ask the question, you write down the answers and you get this overall kind of a 360 perspective on where, whatever it is you're analyzing, where it is and how it's doing. And the benefit is that it allows you, especially in the church world, to have an idea of where you should put your resources, where you should problem solve you know, maybe even where you should cut things. You know, I know things, I know being a ministry over the years, I've seen plenty of ministries that probably should have been shut down and mm -hmm. never were. And I think honestly, a SWOT analysis would have made it very clear to shut it down. Now you guys, Matt, you guys use this on a, on a regular basis at your church, correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely kind of our go-to uh, after we do something or right before we're going into a new season just evaluating kind of what are our strengths and weaknesses and maybe some things to look forward to or some things that we could maybe try to avoid. Um, it just helps us build an overall awareness of kind of where we're coming from or where we're going. Mm -hmm. And it's relatively easy too. It encourages dialogue between the team. It makes everyone feel like this is a good, healthy time for you to, if you do have some concerns, um, if you do kind of want to brag a little bit about something that's gone really well, right. uh, this is a good, healthy time to do that mm -hmm. um, because it's kind of allowing that conversation in that moment. So we found that it's very, very helpful um, to discuss across basically all of our teams. We do it from a campus level. We do it from a department level. We do it from an event level. And so uh, it's something that's really easy to kind of communicate and get the point across. Uh, without really having to, you know, overcomplicate it either. Mm -hmm. Right. Good. Yeah. And I think that's the thing. I, I think the beauty, the beauty of the SWOT analysis and probably part of the reason it's so popular and used in so many different contexts is because it's so simple. Um, anybody can pick it up. Anybody, you know, anybody can sit down and draw four boxes and put strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats, and then just walk through it. Um, and mm -hmm. so the simplicity of it is great. However, I think the, the um the information that you get from it is really uh super valuable super insightful um and as a team i i feel like you're able to kind of get on the same page you're able to yeah. you know not everybody's going to have these you know well, i think this is really good or i think this is really bad like when you do a swan analysis it kind of takes that out and it says okay here's how it's good. Here's how it's bad, but we're all on the same page with that. So, mm -hmm. um, so let's just kind of look through the four quadrants. So when we're talking about strengths, what we're really talking about is, and, um, so let's just use ministry as a whole. So let's just say your mm -hmm. ministry, whatever that is, you can ask the question, what are the strengths? What we're looking for here is what are the things that make this ministry um, super valuable to the people that are receiving what makes this ministry, um, uh, sustainable. Um, what, what, what kind of undergirds the foundation of the ministry? What are the strengths? What are, what are the things that make this ministry, uh, keeping people coming back? Or, you know, let's say you're evaluating a discipleship process, um, you know, and you're saying, Hey, this discipleship process is really 
developing strong uh, disciples. Well, what is the strength that you see that is leading that direction? So that's what we're looking at. What are, what are the things that are really good about whatever it is you're analyzing and making it even a pillar within your church or within your ministry? What, what are those strengths? And so um, for you, Matt, when you go through this process with your team, what would you say some of the strengths are um, for maybe the last SWAT you did, or, you know, maybe, uh, mm -hmm. you know, pick one well, that you've done. Well, like a good, uh, one that we did recently was we were a mobile church for three years and then we moved into a building. And so we've been here for just over a year. It was a year in June. And so over the summer we did a SWAT kind of, how are we doing? Like, you know, we're not like fresh into this new building you know, we're looking at budgets for the upcoming year. What are some things that we've kind of, cause our building was a surprise. So mm -hmm. like we weren't budgeting going into the year, expecting to have a building, but like God just did some incredible stuff and we were able to get a building. And so now we're going into the year thinking, okay, we need to start. What is something that we've been like, okay, this will work for now, but you know, what would we want a little bit more permanent now that we're here? And so looking at something like a strength, like, that could even be stuff that is time consuming stuff. One of our strengths is we don't need to show up at 5 a.m. to set up. We're not mobile anymore. Right. Um, a strength could also be something like financial. Is the program cheap? Is it something that is easily multiple that you can multiply easily? Um, so even outside of the immediate, like, okay, are the numbers good? what are some things that maybe are something that helps your overall church health? Like I said, right. is it financially stable? Um, you might have a ministry that not a lot of people are attending, but you're like, but it doesn't cost us any money. If we were to do something else, it would cost a ton of money. So strength is that it's cheap because mm -hmm. that's part of the equation. Um, is it something that people are familiar with? That's a strength. It's something when we say, oh, this ministry, people automatically know what it is. It has recognizable verbiage. Um, so when you're looking at strengths, just what are anything that you would kind of, um, if you were looking at a traditional pros and cons list, what are the things that would naturally go into the pros right. and things that are like, this is something that's a definite plus for this ministry. Right. Okay. So you mentioned earlier, this is a great opportunity to brag. Um, and mm -hmm. I would agree hundred percent agree. Like this is the time you're saying, Hey, this ministry is amazing because X, Y, Z. However, the one challenge that we have is, is, you know, let's say you, Matt, in your area of ministry, you're like, hey, this is wonderful. And I love this because X, Y, Z. And somebody else on the team says, uh, actually, that's a weakness. Actually, mm -hmm. I don't agree with that. And so one mm -hmm. of the challenges in ministry and what we always have on any team is this idea of or, or, or the subjectivity that we bring to the table of like, I think mm -hmm. it's great, but you don't think it's great. Well, which one is it? Is it good or is it not good? So, and I'm mm -hmm. sure you've run into this. So, you know, Absolutely. how do you navigate as a team determining if something is a strength or not, if there's differing opinions in the room? Well, and I think that a lot of it comes down to verbiage because let's go back to the financial piece. Someone might say a strength of this is that uh, it does not cost a lot of money. So let's say you're using a resource and it's something that you've used since the eighties and they bought 10,000 of these booklets and so you haven't had to buy a new booklet for your discipleship course, you know, ever, and you won't ever have to buy one. Right. So someone can say, Hey, this is really financially stable. And then someone else in the weakness can say, but it's cheap. Mm -hmm. Know what I mean? Both of those can be true at the same time. 
something can be cost effective and it can also be cheap. Like the quality is not good because like people can see like this is like very old material. So both of those can be true at the same time. Or you can say um, that it also really helps because it helps define the goal of what is the win for the team. Mm -hmm. Because some people might say, hey, like this is a weakness because we only have five people showing up to it. But other people say, but those five people are incredibly well discipled and trained. And so it also helps you kind of sort out, okay, what is the goal of this? Is the goal to, you know, we want a lot of people, but relatively like this is a base level sort of ministry and we're okay with that. Or, hey, we're not looking for 500 people. We're looking for 10 to 15, but people who are like core leaders bought in high investment. And so um, when you have those disagreements, it also helps you kind of sort out what the end goal is. Um, You know, something like a student ministry, for example, you probably like, well, yeah, you want them to be deep. You also want a lot of students to feel welcome. You want them to feel like it's an easy access point for a teenager to join. Right. And so, you know, even being able to explain, okay, something can be a strength and a weakness at the same time, but we have to look at the overall goal of, you know, what is the win for us? And that really helps with the SWOT analysis. Right. Well, and I think that's good too, because it, it, it is important to understand number one, that it can be both. It could be a strength and mm-hmm. a weakness at the same time. It's a matter of perspective. But I also think that, you know, one of the things that is it, it easily will reveal to us is if we're not clear on mission, we're not clear on core values. We're not clear on what we value, you know, what we value is important, or we're not clear on where we're going. If, if that's the case, then what will happen is, is these conversations evaluating whether something's a strength or a weakness will force us to answer those questions and say, okay, you know, this, you're right. This is easy on the budget, but the quality is low. So which one is mm-hmm. more important to us and mm-hmm. why is that one more important? And so then it forces yeah. the conversation of like, oh, well, you know, sure. We want to go easy on the budget, but it's more important that we use quality content to develop strong disciples. So because of that, we're going to choose to err on the side of we need better quality, even if it means higher cost. And so mm-hmm. I just think, and, that, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, and I think it's also good because it's a really good mirror for your ministry mm-hmm. because yeah, well, like I said, it's a great opportunity for you to brag uh, because you know, you don't like, it's a time where we're literally saying, what are you doing? Well, yeah. But the other thing too, is like, you better bring something to back that up too right right. because (laughs) um you can't just say like oh our ministry is going like you have to give me some sort of thing that i can write on the board Mm -hmm. you can't say we're growing were you like two people before and now you're three like are you like know what i mean like what what is your tangible thing exactly and so i think that sometimes like people can have the idea especially when you're doing like let's say you're doing this with your team uh, you're ju- you just did a Christmas concert or something like that. And you're saying, wow, like, I feel like that went really well. The song, like the performance went well. We had a lot of people show up. And then someone says, well, actually, like, our, if we're looking at the numbers, our attendance actually dropped, you know, 20% for the past, like, three years. Yeah. So it, you might be somebody where you're kind of on the outskirts. But, like, from the outside, you're like, yeah, people are showing up. People seem to be enjoying this. Uh, but like, so you might say, oh, it's a strength that people are showing up, people are coming, 
But then someone else might say it's actually a weakness because from where we were to where we are is actually dropping. So a lot of the things too also, like I said, it's a really good mirror of, okay, does it seem like it's going well or right. is it actually going well? Actually and going so, well. yeah. Yeah, no, that's good. That's good. And I think, and I think weaknesses really kind of fall in the same way, like the same subjectivity you have to navigate through. They force some of those conversations. And so I think strengths and weaknesses are, uh, you know, pretty self-explanatory to a certain extent, because we all understand like, Hey, this is good. This is not good. Um, but like mm -hmm. we said, like there's a lot of subjectivity to that in helping understand what the mission is. What do we value? Where are we going? What are we trying to accomplish with this? You know, like the, and that's a great example looking at an event of like, you know, Hey, you know, we've had lots of people, it's going well, really, if you look at the data, which again, makes the case, how important it is to collect data, even if you're not, you know, I, I don't like being numbers driven. I don't like doing things for numbers. However, I'm a huge proponent of collecting data so that we can see clearly whether or not things are, are where we're going, because what mm -hmm. tends to happen is, and going back to the example you used, what tends to happen is an event increasingly costs more over time. Last mm -hmm. year's event is cheaper than this year's event and next year's event will be more expensive than this year. However, what also tends to happen is over time numbers dwindle. Usually they, they grow, reach a peak and then start to dwindle. Well, what happens is once you reach over that peak, cost goes up, numbers go down and you have to ask yourself the question is, is what we're spending per person really making this event viable? Is it is something we should continue to do? And going through a SWOT analysis can help, you know, help us realize that, make that clear and evident that, you know, yeah, we love the event. It's great. It reaches people. But if we're stepping back and looking at it, our numbers are going down each year. Cost is going up each year. So either we need mm -hmm. to retool and figure out how to get more people, how to cut costs, or we just need to cut it all together. So, yeah. So that's the strength of weaknesses. Now, the opportunities and threats are a little bit different and, um, Correct me if I'm wrong, a little bit more difficult. Have you found that to yeah. be the case? Yeah, it's a little bit more nuanced. Like you said, I, I feel like strengths and weaknesses is kind of where more people, I think the opportunities and threats is what makes the SWOT analysis tick though. Mm -hmm. Because the strengths and weaknesses, like I said, is almost like a pro and con list. Like it's a little bit more people are traditionally, okay, what's good about it and what's bad about it, right. which is good all important information. Right. But I think that people don't typically take that next step and that next layer of, okay, let's look a little bit deeper beyond just what's good. Like, you know, green go red stop. Like let's go a little bit deeper into some of those yellows and kind of gray areas of what, you know, might either be on the horizons or could be tricky in the future. Right. Well, and the opportunities threats. So when you're looking at strengths and weaknesses, usually it's a, it's a backward facing, um, analysis. So you're looking in the past and you're saying, okay, this is what has gone well. Even if you're planning for the future, usually when you're doing the strengths and weaknesses, you're looking backwards and you're, you're doing an analysis of what's happened. So then you can look ahead and say, okay, this is what we should do. I think when you're looking at opportunities and threats, you're looking ahead, you're, you're starting forward facing future oriented and you're saying, okay, what's coming and how do we take advantage or how do we avoid, how do we take advantage of opportunities and avoid threats. And so when you're looking at the opportunities, what you're really looking at is, um, and, and if you, if you've listened or watched, um, recent episodes, I've been talking about, uh, horizon scanning and trend analysis and analysis and, and some of the, you know, foresight, strategic foresight, um, tools. Well, one of the things that we use a lot is SWOT. 
And it's, you know, looking at the opportunity. So looking at the trends and saying, okay, what opportunities are there for us? What things can we take advantage of? What things can we tap into? You know, what is something we know is, is coming up? Um, you know, and then same thing, threats, same thing is looking ahead and saying, okay, this is little now, but if it continues to grow, this is a big deal. Or we see this on the, on the horizon. We see this coming. We know it's down the road. It hasn't hit us yet, but how are we preparing for it? And so, you know, for instance, one of the obvious ones that we could talk about that's been developing over the last 10 years is online church. Now, depending mm -hmm. on your perspective, you know, let's rewind, let's just say five years ago. Some churches saw this as a great opportunity. Some saw it as a threat. Mm -hmm. But it was something on the horizon that we had to, at least on some level, pay attention to or acknowledge that was there. And a SWOT analysis is going to allow you then to say, okay, do we think this is an opportunity or a threat? And de determining on how we label it, how are we going to mm -hmm. handle it? What are we going to do? And so, Matt, for you guys, <clears throat> when you've gotten to the opportunities and threats piece, um, what are some of the things that you have navigated through and, and maybe not, I'm not, I'm not so much interested on the thing, but more how you as a team kind of navigated mm -hmm. through some of those challenging waters of determining what's a threat and, and what's an opportunity and then what you're going to do with that. Yeah. Well, one of the nice things about this is, uh, it kind of switches, like you said, almost that, uh, looking forward and future casting a little bit. Because strengths and weaknesses, like you said, kind of rearview mirror, these are what they are. Like these are, this is where the data comes in really heavy. Um, and this is, you know, this is definitely something that's good or bad versus opportunities and threats are all in a positive and a negative potential. Uh, there are things that could be uh, some things that might be warning signs. And a lot of it is more so your team is not blindsided one way or the other. Right. Exactly. Uh, cause, cause that's what you would hate is that, you know, six months down the road, if you would have seen this as a yes. threat, then it at this point could be an opportunity. Like, so for example, uh, going back to the online church example, for some people, uh, they just didn't really even think of online church. But mm -hmm. even if they would have saw it as a threat, they would say, okay, well, how are we equipping the people who will be online to be better disciples so it's not a threat? So then when it becomes a need, now it's an opportunity. Right. So, you know, I think that sometimes you're almost trying to look at how can those interchange? How can we take something that is potentially a threat and make it so then when eventually that threat hits, mm -hmm. then it now has the opportunity to be an opportunity. Right. But then at the same time, how are we looking at something that is an opportunity and making sure we're taking advantage of it as an opportunity so it doesn't eventually become a threat? Yeah. So I think that's really what you want to look at is both of those categories are just full of potential mm -hmm. and have a really good, in a positive or negative, have a chance to switch to the other side of that board if you do it again in a year because you didn't take advantage of that potential or you didn't heed that potential in either way. Right. And so for you guys, Matt, when you guys run across something that is not clear, whether it's an opportunity or threat, how do you go about labeling it as a team? Uh, one thing, I think a lot of it does come down to verbiage. Um, you know, you want to be pretty specific when you're getting talking about these things. Um, like when we were talking about the building, uh, uh, Opportunity is obviously we have a permanent space. We can use it Monday through Sunday versus having to rent a facility. Right. 
So that's a great opportunity, but it's only an opportunity if we're actually doing things. Like we had to then switch from the mentality of, hey, we only have a building from 6 a.m. to 1 p.m. one day a week to, okay, yeah, that is a great opportunity if we do something with it. Right. Um, and then, but then also someone could say, well, having a building um, is also a threat because one of the greatest things was we had us, when we were mobile, we had a 70 to 80% serve rate, mm-hmm. which means that 70 to 80% of the people who attended our church were plugged in on a team because there was just so much to do. It was in your face. Right. You know, when you were leaving, like people were tearing stuff down. And like, you know what I mean? And so people see the need and they're more likely to jump in right. versus when you're in a building, you can really fall into that. Everything is taken care of. I just show up and everything's rolling. And so that is something where it can become a threat. So both of those are both an opportunity and a threat. Someone could just say, well, the building or not being mobile is an right. opportunity and it's a threat. But then you need to almost say, okay, but why? The threat is that people will no longer see the need to serve and will start to pull back. Right. So like, and then the opportunity is that people who maybe were caught up in tasks can now start doing more ministry. Mm -hmm. So a lot of it has to do with verbiage where you could easily say, well, not being mobile is both a threat and an opportunity. Mm-hmm. Yes, but why? We're right. kind of going into the a little bit more. Well, and then it also forces you as a team to say, okay, if, if this is the threat and here's the opportunity, and if we do this, it makes it an opportunity. Well, then you focus your attention and your energies and mm-hmm. you create the systems that are necessary to make sure that this somewhat neutral thing becomes an mm-hmm. opportunity rather than a threat. And you, you're, yeah. again, like you said, you're able to, you know, think forward enough to, to, determine whether it's a threat or an opportunity based on the actions you take. And so, Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And I love that. I think that's so good because they think that too often because in the church and as pastors and ministry leaders, we're so busy. I mean, you know, like every day is like reacting to this, reacting to that. And Mm -hmm. you get a phone call and somebody's knocking on your door and like, you just have so many things to do that it's easy to, to get caught up in day to days that you're not able to look across the horizon and see what's coming. So then what ends up happening is we react to everything. Everything that comes up, we react to it without a plan, without real clear intentionality. And by sitting down with a SWOT analysis, even if it's just once a quarter or, you know, at the very least once a year, you're at least setting aside some time to look across the horizon, ask yourself, what are the threats and opportunities that I need to be aware of? And you can start thinking about them and processing through and being intentional so that things don't catch you off guard and so that you're not reacting. And quite honestly, for me, the way I look at it is the less you react and the less you have to just respond in the moment to what's happening, the less stress you live in, the less you mm-hmm. have anxiety. If you're thinking ahead, then instead of reacting to things, you're just implementing what you've already decided. And I think stress mm-hmm. goes down, anxiety goes down, overall joy and happiness goes up. Like the SWOT analysis, even though it's, you know, I know some people can look at it and say, oh, that's just, you know, some business tool that you use or, you know, you know, they, they kind of uh, because the Holy Spirit isn't in the middle of it, then, mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of thrown out sometimes. But I mm-hmm. think that, well, number one, I would say the Holy Spirit can absolutely be in the middle of it. Yeah. As as a team. And I'm sure you guys do this. You approach it in prayer. You approach it in good faith with one another. You approach it as a team that is looking to do the will of God and what he is, you know, doing amidst your, your church and your community. 
the Holy Spirit can 100% be in it, but it's a tool that simplifies the process and keeps us forward mm-hmm. thinking and looking ahead and saying, okay, if we're going to steward the resources, the people, the buildings, whatever that God has given us, if we're going to steward that well, then we need to be prepared for what's coming. And by doing the threats and opportunities, you're able to do that and be better stewards of what God's entrusted to you. Yeah. Yeah. And that's always, so one of my pet peeves too, is when people are like that, like, oh, well, the Holy Spirit, it's like, you know, people are like, oh, your son, like we have a very planned Sunday, little rabbit trail here, but very planned Sunday, like PCO to the minute, that sort of thing. And people are like, well, you're not leaving a lot of room for the Holy Spirit. And I say, I leave plenty of room on Monday through Saturday when we're planning this, like, know what I mean? And so I think that we discredit the Holy Spirit when we think that he can only work like that you know what i mean like what are the things that have been on your heart that the holy spirit has been prompting you hey this is something that could be a really great opportunity for our church and for our yeah. ministry um it's also a really great chance for um you know i don't think that you it's a bad idea to do a swat alone but there's a reason also that you do it with teams right yeah. is because you can really hear there are so many things that i hear from my team that i didn't even know was a concern of theirs or something that they were excited about in a SWOT analysis. And it just really gives them a voice and an opportunity to say, uh, like, let's say parking team, you're talking about the new building and they're saying, you know, I'm seeing, oh, wow, there's a lot of people here. And they're saying people are getting really frustrated because they have to walk forever because our parking lot's (laughs) terrible. I'm like, oh, I only see them when they come in the building. Like, so that's not something I really process. And so they're saying it's a genuine, like, it could be a threat that people come in, drive through, don't see a spot, head somewhere else. Right. Like, but that's yeah. something where if I'm not in the parking lot week after week and not seeing cars come in and then cars go out, that's not something I'm really evaluating. I'm just seeing, oh, the po- parking lot's full. That's great. People are here, all this <laughs> sort of stuff. And so, you know what I mean? And so it also gives a really great opportunity for the team to say, hey, this is something that is personal to me that I feel like God has entrusted me to lead. And it's something that is either a really great opportunity or like, you know, that's one of the reasons why we have, uh, we used to do wagons, for example, where you would pull kids in, like you would go up to their car and they would sit in the wagon and you'd pull them in because we realized that our parking spot when we were renting a building was super far away. It was like 50 (laughs) yards away from the door. And so we're like, well, why don't we get just like some Fisher Price wagons We'll have people like go and our door readers will go. The kids get in the wagon and pull them along. Like that's something where it was a threat. Hey, our only parking space is 50 yards away from the door. And people have to walk across a big like, you know, sidewalk thing to get to where we're at. That's a threat. People might say, I don't know where it is. I don't know where it's like, okay, well, what's an opportunity? Now we're winning in that. And we took it from a threat to an opportunity because we said, well, that could be an opportunity to say, hey, have conversation with parents, first time guests show them where yeah. it's at, show love yeah. to their kids. So yeah, so a lot of times too, it's a really great opportunity to hear from your team some things that you might not even know um, because you're having it in that group setting. Yeah. Well, and one one thing that I also want to make sure that we understand too here is that if you are the leader, you are the pastor, you're the ministry leader, you're conducting the SWAT, it's your team. I think it's important that you understand that you're, you are a facilitator more than a participant. And the Mm -hmm. reason why is because if you are the one, if you're the final decision maker, if you're the one where everything stops with you and you're the one that has to make decisions moving out, when you speak up, it influences the conversation in a way that 
may be detrimental to the process. Yeah. And so I think that one of the things, if you're the leader and I don't know, Matt, how you do it, but I think from my perspective, if you're the leader and you're manage, you're running the SWOT analysis. It's going to be way more valuable to you. If you close your mouth most of the time and listen most of the time, because mm-hmm. yep. you will learn, like you've alluded to, you will learn things that you have not understood, seen, been in position to, you know, to observe, you will learn those things, which will give you a broader perspective of the ministry you're running, but it'll also help you make clear decisions because I agree hundred percent with you. You should not do a SWOT analysis by yourself. You can, it's, you know, if you're a solo pastor and there's nobody else around, sure, do the SWOT analysis by yourself. But if there's anybody that has any insight into what you're doing, whether it's board members, whether it's your key volunteers, you know, get them involved. You, you, you host it, you uh, guide it, you facilitate it, you sit back and let them speak. Because at the end of the day, you're the one making most of those decisions. You don't need to influence everybody else towards that decision. You need to create a space where they can inform you to make a better decision. Yeah. And I think that's where a lot of those come in with, you're there to clarify language. You're there to write. You're there to like, that's the thing. And so when someone says the building is a pro, the building or the building is a strength, the building is a weakness, the building is a, like, know what I mean? Your job is not to say, this is a strength. This is an opportunity. This is a threat. You're hearing from your team. And then when they say something that's very vague or very gray, say, well, what specifically, like why, like, so if someone says, oh, a great opportunity is the parking lot. Why? Okay. Well, what do you mean? Like, why? (laughs) Yeah. Oh, it's an opportunity for us to blah, 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 blah. Yeah. So. And you're asking questions, not making statements. Because we all know that when we're the one in charge in the room, when we are the one that sits in the seat in the room, when we make a statement, it changes the dynamic in the room and immediately. And so mm-hmm. when we ask questions and when we're asking objective questions, not leading questions, not mm-hmm. veiled threat questions, but we're mm-hmm. genuinely asking neutral guiding curiosity questions. When we do that, it creates a space for, for your team to speak more into, to be open, to be honest, um, to give you unfiltered insight into what you're evaluating. Mm-hmm. And so, and I know that's hard. I mean, I know for me, when I'm the leader in the room, it's hard. It's hard for me to, you know, not be a part of the conversation, but I've just learned over the years leading teams. If I want to really know where they are, I have to ask questions and be quiet. And when I do mm-hmm. that, man, I learn way more because I mean, I'm hoping that you're filling the room with people that are smarter than you are. You're filling the mm-hmm. room with people who are be- more talented than you are. Because, you know, if we could do it on our own, we would. Most of us, we, that's how we're built. We're just doing things because we love to do it. But at the end of the day, if you're not utilizing the strengths and the abilities and talents and the insight of your team, well, then it's not really a team. They're just your minions and, you know, you're building your <laughs> Yeah, for sure. Like, that's the thing is you don't want a bunch of yes men. No. Because that's helpful. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. So, okay. So I hope that this has been helpful for you. I hope that. As we've walked through the SWAT, as you know, me and Matt have, have kind of talked through this, I hope it's given you clarity on how valuable the tool can be. I hope it has um, helped you to see um, how to walk through the process. Now, what we're going to do next week is Matt and I are going to sit down 
and we are going to actually do an analysis of one of his ministries, one of the areas that he's over. We're going to walk through step by step, piece by piece, go through strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. So you can see it in live action. You can see how it processes. And hopefully uh, you can then go from that point on and really start to do your own SWOT analysis with your team on anything you want to, whether it's a ministry, an event, um, whatever it is. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to put uh, in the show notes below, um, I'm going to put a links for you to go to the article, to go to the previous podcast episode. And what that's also going to do is going to take you, uh, I'm going to put a link in there for you to get your own SWOT analysis template. So you can start using it today. Um, and you can start doing your own SWOT analysis, start applying it and start sitting down with your team and really looking at what are the things you can do uh, to start building uh, a better awareness of where your ministries are, what you can do, how you can uh, build them up, strengthen them, um, and how you can take advantage of the, of the opportunities that are in front of you, as well as avoid the threats that are coming down the way. So again, I hope this was super helpful for you. And then I also today, I want to make you aware of a brand new course that I'm putting out for free. If you have ever wanted to build your own platform, I have found that having a podcast is the easiest way to build a platform. It's the easiest on-ramp. It's the easiest, especially if you're somebody who's not very technical, you're somebody who, you know, doesn't really know where to start or how to, how to go about it. Podcasts are way easier to get started than I would say even a blog or a YouTube channel. Podcast is the easiest way to do it. And what I've wanted to do for a long time is give you a tool that you can build your own podcast right away without a lot of fuss, a lot of question marks, a lot of issues. And I wanted to make it free. And so that's what I've done is I've created a podcast just for you, a podcast course just for you to help you build your very own podcast. And so if you want to go to brandonpartycooper.com slash podcast course, what you're going to see there is um, a sign up page. You go in there, you just put your name, put your email, and you will immediately get started going through the course and figuring out and learning how you can create your own podcast. And you can do it in just two weeks. The course is two weeks long. It's going to walk you step by step. It's going to take all the questions away. It's going to take all the anxiety away, all the, you know, well, what about this or what about that? It's going to take all that away. It's going to tell you exactly what you need on day one, day two, all the way through to day 14. You're going to know exactly the steps you need to take in order to build your podcast. And in two weeks, two weeks from today, you could be putting your first live podcast episode out for the world to see, start building your platform and start creating an area where you can share your message with the world. And so again, go to brandonpartycooper.com slash podcast course, get your free course today, start working through it. And I would love to hear what your podcast is. I would love to answer any questions you have along the way. Just go there, brandonpartycooper.com slash podcast course. Get your course, start working on your podcast today, make it live in just two weeks. And I would love to hear what it is. All right. So I hope you have a wonderful rest of the day and I will see you in the next episode. 